Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Christina McGee. She's a divorce parenting expert who believes that divorce does not make you a bad parent. Christina is the author of the highly acclaimed book, Parenting Apart, How Separated and Divorced Parents Can Raise Happy and Secure Kids and also creator of a co-parenting specialist certification program for divorce professionals. Christina also continues to serve as a subject matter expert and consulting producer for the documentary film Split, a film for kids and their parents about divorce, and Split Up, the teen years. Welcome, Christina McGee, to Divorce Dialogues. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, Catherine. Thank you. I think that... My understanding is that you grew up with divorced parents. Is that right? Yes, I did. My parents divorced when I was 14. And how do you think that that influenced the work you do today or even just helped guide you to do the work that you do? Well, interestingly, I mean, I think it really helped me develop an insider's perspective, you know, on obviously how divorce feels for kids. There are so many things that children of divorce have to deal with every single day that parents just simply don't see, you know, things like feeling caught in the middle, like in loyalty binds or worrying about keeping things fair, code switching, trying to keep the peace, worrying more about how parents feel than kids themselves feel, you know, and I, I really believe that the vast majority of parents never intend for their kids to have to deal with those issues. However, because parents themselves are so overwhelmed and they feel so incredibly vulnerable and alone, their ability to kind of recognize this stuff is really impaired. Their parenting is compromised because of the emotional dynamics. And so for me, I think that I can bring that perspective to the work that I do with parents But if I'm being very honest, really my absolute best teachers about divorce were my bonus kids. So when I got married, I wasn't just a blushing bride. I also became a bonus mom to two very young kids. And I was really clear about what I didn't want that to look like, but I wasn't real sure what to do. And so that's where I kind of started my journey on trying to figure it out. And and that led to the work that I'm doing today. You know, Christina, it's really interesting because I am not the child of divorce, but I am a divorced parent. And, you know, I think that I've I've told this story a number of times on the show, but I really, it did not even occur to me how upsetting it was to ask my kids to be a go-between. And I thought I was doing something totally innocent. Listen, here's the schedule for the parent-teacher conferences. I'm just going to put it in your backpack, make sure to give it to your dad. And, you know, thinking, mm-hmm. hey, the backpack is here. It's going to be at their, his house. Like, 
they can give it to him because backpack is here. No, it's going to be there. Makes that make perfect sense. Mes- little messenger right here. <laughs> and right, they, right. Finally, just turned to me and said, "No, you know, we don't want to be in that position." And and I was really taken aback. But I think for them, they didn't want to have to deal with his reaction to whatever it was, or the mumbled words, mm-hmm. or even just being a go-between in any way. So I think I'm coming from a from an innocent place, and I think I was. You know, it wasn't like a new show that's, you know, good for nothing show. So nothing like that. But even still, coming from a place of innocence, we can inadvertently put our children in a very uncomfortable place. And that's really hard to necessarily recognize. What do you think? No, I think you are 100% correct. I mean, I think there are all kinds of just small ways that, you know, parents kind of miss how this feels for kids. And the truth is, if we're not creating space for kids to feel okay talking about that kind of stuff, they won't, right? Because kids are very much in tune to how parents are feeling and most kids don't want to rock the boat. And so they're kind of riding that line about, you know, how do I keep mom happy and how do I keep dad happy and what's okay to do and say in this household and what's not okay to do and say in this household. And so they're constantly kind of evaluating on a day-to-day basis how they should act, what they should say, how they should engage with each parent and weighing it out. And so I think those things happen all the time for kids and we're just not aware of it. I can remember when my bonus daughter, once we were all together, she has two younger sisters and the three girls were together and we were spending time and the the girls kept bothering her about having this locket on her neck. You know, it was one of those little lockets that had pictures in it and you open and shut it and they were messing with it. And she was clearly looking very uncomfortable. And finally, she kind of looked up at me and she said, well, this is kind of my awkward locket. And I said, what do you mean it's your awkward locket? She said, well, it only has a picture of two of my parents and it's got my mom and my dad, but there's no third place for a picture of you. And my heart just sank in that moment. Like she was worried about this beginning of her story, having she felt guilty about having a picture of her parents in a locket that didn't include me as her bonus mom. And very innocently, I could have totally missed that. I'm so glad that I got a chance to talk with her about it because I I wanted to reassure you never, ever have to feel bad about that. Like that's the beginning of your story and that's an important story to have and and you don't need to worry about hurting my feelings. We have a special relationship and it will always be special, but you know, there's nothing wrong with you having that memory. You should have that memory, right? Of course. And I mean, it's really a kind of an interesting place being a bonus parent usually is the other word the step parent because I have that too and I think that it was it takes so much work and thought to be in that role and do it well as opposed to I don't know most of us just stumble into parenthood thinking hey this is a good thing (laughs) when I have kids right we don't stumble into bonus parenthood that's for sure it's on the job learning isn't it I mean we learn as we go and no parent gets it right 100% of the time. We all make mistakes. You know, I think the real challenge is being able to learn from them. And when we make a mistake, really owning that with kids and using it as an opportunity to do your best to make things right. I always tell parents, you know, when you mess up, fess up. Use it as an opportunity to show your kids it's okay to make mistakes and to try to figure out how to do it better the next time around. 
You know, speaking of kids' voices, I really want to talk about split movies. So maybe just as a starting place, you could talk about what, what they are and, and how they came to be. And then we have, I have a couple questions about it. So there are two films. The first one is Split, a film about divorce for kids and their parents. And it was the driving creative force behind them was my dear friend and colleague, Ellen Bruno. So Ellen interviewed 12 kids between the ages of 6 and 12 whose families had gone through the process of separation and divorce. And it is just kids on screen talking about how it feels when parents part. And it is an incredibly fascinating film that is really profound and very eye-opening. And then she decided to find out if there were more to their stories. And so 10 years later, followed up with these 11 of the 12 children from the original film and interviewed them to see what life was like as teens and young adults and how divorce had impacted their lives over time. And that is what makes up Split the Teen Years, which is our newest film recently released and we're super excited about it. And I will tell you, it is even more fascinating than the first film. Yeah, I mean, I find, uh, Ellen has been on the show a couple of times talking about the film and I am a huge, huge fan. I mean, these are definite, you know, for me, it was a you know a, a tissue film. You know, I, I really mm. was so touched by the by the words of the children and and sort of unvarnished feedback that they gave her was is really really amazing. And for anybody listening who has the opportunity to see one or both of these films where, where divorce is an issue, I really really encourage you to do that. And it's actually available to stream on our website miller-law.com. So I want to remind people that I'm Catherine Miller and that you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're available as a podcast, but also here on WBOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. And we bring you information and dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity. And I'm talking today with Christina McGee about raising children after divorce. And right now we've been talking about the split films about well, they're not really about, they really are the voices of children talking about their divorce experience. And and how did you get involved with the split films and, and what, Christina, was your role? Yeah, well, I was really fortunate. I've been a fierce advocate for children and always very interested in resources that help kids navigate difficult issues like divorce. And I happen to be on Ellen's email list. So when she was just starting the very first film, she sent out kind of a general email to people that were doing work in the community about the project, just looking for feedback and support. And I immediately got in touch with her. And this was the day before we had Zoom. So I picked up the phone and made a good old-fashioned phone call and we started exchanging ideas, which we found there was a lot of synergy between us and that our work really complemented one another. And so she asked me if I would start taking a look at cuts of the film. And before you knew it, I signed on as a you know, subject matter expert. And then our work developed from there. And so I've, over the past 10 years, we've been working very closely together on trying to really change the conversation about divorce for parents and kids and keep those conversations going. I mean, I think still in our society, there is unfortunately a very pervasive kind of stigma 
and a, and a sense of shame. And even though we have more resources now than probably at any time in our culture, there are a lot of parents that still feel very isolated and alone and don't know where to turn. And so films like Split are really a very powerful tool, not just to let kids know that they're not alone, that there are lots of other children that are going through this and to empower them to feel comfortable talking about their experience. But it's also a really powerful tool for parents because it gives them a behind-the-scenes look at what their children are dealing with day-to-day, the things that they're feeling and and what really helps and, and what makes it much harder. So I think that the films are really insightful and can give parents a really idea of what it feels like for their kids so that they can make different choices, really important choices that can make things much better for their children. Christina, was there something that surprised you about making the movies or being involved in the making of the movies? Well, you know, I have to say with the most recent film split up, there were a couple of themes that I found very interesting. And and one of them was this, there was this very persistent theme, especially among the young women in Split Up, to really feel a strong need to caretake their parents, feeling very emotionally responsible, so much to the point that they were reflecting on not really taking care of themselves or not being really clear about what they, they wanted. And there's even one young woman in the film, Olivia, who talks about what a struggle it is that, you know, now that she's becoming an adult and and going out on her own, she has to really kind of sort through and figure out what she wants for herself when she's spent a lifetime really focusing more on her parents than her own needs. And so I found that really, really interesting. Did that feel like it resonated with you personally or it was just... This was her take on it and different from your own or the experience of other children that you've worked with. Well, it's not the first time that I've run across it. And yes, for young women, right? I think there's a real flaw to be very, very sensitive to the emotional well-being of parents and about keeping things fair. And it wasn't just that one young woman. It seems that many of the women that are in split really struggled with that. And I know that I've talked with other adult children of divorce who have reported similarly, you know, just really feeling a burden about making sure that their parents were okay. And I think what you're talking about is that it's just, it's a, it's a burden. And this whole, you talked earlier in the show about children being worried about whether or not the parenting time was fair, whether they were treating their parents mm. equally. I mean, that, there's an element of caretaking in that, of course, right? Yes. And yes. And, and then I, I think what you're also talking about is do you take that level of caretaking, just making sure that, you know, the parents are okay, and then as they grow into teenagers and would normally and naturally and, and appropriately start to disconnect and find their own identities in the outside world, that that becomes in some ways harder because of a fear of abandoning their parents and abandoning the role that they've had as caretaker. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And I think as 
children get older and move into adulthood, you know, there's this myth that, you know, it just becomes easier. Like it's not really such an issue for kids anymore because they're older now. They understand, you know, they're their own people. But the truth is, as children get older, I mean, the legacy of divorce has some real staying power and it really becomes you know, a a thread that gets woven into the fabric of children's lives. And so even as adults, when it comes to just very simple things like how the holidays are going to be celebrated. So instead of having kind of a parenting plan or an agreement about how holidays are going to unfold, a lot of times kids, as they get older, are put in that position. So where are you going to be for Christmas? Where are you going to be for New Year's? Who are you going to spend Easter with? You know, and then, and then they have children and families of their own. And then there becomes like, you know, spending time with grandchildren and then birthday parties and events. And, and kids feel really torn about how they navigate some of these. And often they do it silently. Yeah, that's, that's really a shame. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WBOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, or perhaps you're listening as a podcast, because we're also available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Christina McGee about raising kids after divorce. And Christina, if people want to learn more about you and what you do or about the movies, what can they do to get in touch? Well, there's two ways. One, they can go to my website, which is divorceandandchildren.com. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook at Divorce and Children. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Christina McGee. Um, And if people are interested in the Split Films, they can go to splitfilm.org. And that's our main website where you can see trailers to the film. And if you want to connect so that you can stream them, we would love for you to go and check them out. One of the things I do want to mention about the films, it was really important for us in creating these films that parents also had guidance in terms of how to use them with their children and felt prepared because a lot of what these kids say is just, it can be hard hitting. Right. And so we think it's really important that parents screen the films on their own before they would consider sharing them with their children so that you really have an opportunity to have your own experience. And so when you go to screen the films through our streaming platform, Show and Tell, each film has an introduction where I introduce the film and kind of give parents an idea of what to expect as they watch the film, then parents are able to screen the film. And then afterwards, we offer tips and guidance on how you might use this with your kids, what kind of things you need to consider, and how do you process it yourself. That's really, that's super useful. How do you think that parents can be the best possible resource for kids when a family is going through a change like a divorce? I think one of the best things that parents can do is make sure that they have support for themselves because the truth is we can't give our kids what we don't have and if we are operating at a deficit and we're feeling really overwhelmed and isolated, it's going to be very hard for us to be fully present for our kids. I'd also like to say that I think one of the most important superpowers that any parent can develop is the skill of validation being able to really show up for your kids and let them know that what they're feeling is understandable and it's and it's normal and it makes sense. 
right? Instead of trying to fix it or make it better or ignore it or dismiss it, that we can really step into those moments with our kids and support their feelings and encourage that conversation to continue. Because I think that's one of the best and most valuable things any parent can do. So can you give an example of what validation can mean? Because I think what you mean is, so if a kid says, you know, I'm, I'm mad because I don't, I feel like I'm living out of a suitcase or I'm, you know, something like that. And instead of saying, well, I'm going to fix that problem. I mean, how can a parent validate the feeling without feeling like they are stepping in to fix the problem? Right. And, and that's what many of us do as parents, right? That's our default is like, oh, there's a problem. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to fix it and I'm going to make it better and I'm going to take it away. Right. And so, exactly. you know, like with the example you gave, you know, I don't like going back and forth with the suitcase or if kids are having a meltdown in the middle of a, a transition, maybe a parent didn't show up when they were supposed to for their parenting time and you have a kid that's feeling really upset. And so our tendency as a parent might be to go, oh, don't you worry about the fact that mom didn't show up. You know what? I tell you what, let's go get some ice cream. We'll get some ice cream and I'm sure you'll see her at another time. She really wanted to see you, but she just got busy, right? We're just dismissing and trying to gloss it over and make it better. Well, maybe what we need to do is, you know, hold space for that sadness and say, wow, I can tell you're really disappointed that mom didn't show up. You really miss her. Sounds like you'd like to have more time with her. Right. It makes sense that you might feel this way. So validation isn't just naming the feeling. It's actually working to understand what's behind it, the why. And then once you understand the why, communicating to your kids, oh, I get it. That makes sense. Of course, you know, I might feel the same way too. And then once you validate it, then you can move into thinking about how to support them or maybe how to solve the problem. But a lot of times we just want to skip that validation step and jump right into fixing the problem. Right. And like as if ice cream and missing mom are the same, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So I know that you have a co-parenting specialist certification training for for divorce professionals. Who is that for and how does it help make the, the professionals more sensitive to the needs of children? Sure. The co-parenting specialist certification training program is a multidisciplinary four-day training program for all kinds of divorce professionals, family lawyers, mediators, collaborative professionals, divorce coaches, mental health professionals, anyone really working in the realm with separating and divorcing parents. And from my perspective, all of those professionals that I just named are what I consider first responders to divorce, right? They're the ones that are on the scene with parents and they have the ability to really be a a point of significant influence for parents in terms of how life moves forward and how they embrace the divorce. Because the truth is, the sooner parents get access to good information and support, the more likely they and their children are going to get through this process well-adjusted and get through this process more quickly. So those beginning stages are really, really critical because they kind of shape the landscape of the divorce experience for parents and children. So this training program 
teaches professionals how to use what I call a child-centered approach, where really that is the starting place. And children become the lens through which parents make decisions about moving forward and really helping them think about it from the perspective of their children. So, for example, one of the things that we spend some time talking about is a very simple change, but a very effective one, and that's really paying attention to the way we talk about divorce. So in our society, we have all these terms like custody and primary parent and possession, you know, that don't feel very family friendly. So I encourage professionals to use things like time with the parent, you know, parenting schedules, parenting time, etc. So uh, just in the last few seconds that we have, if someone is thinking about choosing a divorce professional, how can they make sure that that person is really focused on their children if that's something they're worried about? Yeah, I think... Right away, ask for a professional to tell you what their philosophy is about how they approach divorce and what kind of questions is the professional asking you, you know? Are they asking you, like, what kind of outcome you'd like to see at the end of this and they're wanting to hear about your kids and how they're being impacted? I think those are good signs. Great. Christina McGee, thank you so much for being with us on Divorce Dialogue. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Catherine.